Blog Talk Radio. Oh, I... Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful. And we're back with Seth and Sean Sports Radio, and the intro does work, Seth. You see, thank you very much to Nabate Isles for filling in for myself. We'll have him on again next week as we have a very special presentation of Hall of Fame Yes or No coming next week. We're going to go through all the, all the sports, a little different of a, of, a, uh, of a rundown. We'll get to that later in the show. Hi, Seth. It's been a couple of weeks. How you doing? It has been, and you are listening live to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. My my uh, tribute to my favorite broadcast, my favorite sports broadcaster, actually of all time, who is retiring tonight after must be forty some odd years in the business. Uh, Brad Musburger doing his ironically do, in a weird way doing his last game. Somehow it seems strange. He's going out doing Georgia Kentucky. Does that seem weird to well, you? Well, it's a lot more than forty years because he was there when Joe Namath. He's in the picture. So when Joe Namath was on in Miami for the Super Bowl, and there's a famous picture of him lying on a chaise lounge. He's at Brent Musburger is actually in the picture, which I found <laughs> incredible because you'd, you'd never find a picture today of an athlete with the broadcasters in it because broadcasters and newspaper men are not supposed to be the story. And by being in the picture – you're essentially saying, I'm part of the story, too. Brett Musburger, one of the greats. And I put him along with Will McDonough for what he did. Will McDonough did in newsprint. And I feel like Brett Musburger did, was the first one to really do it on TV with NFL Today. He did. And if you remember, and I remember the show. I don't remember with Phyllis George, but I remember with Irv Cross and Jimmy the Greek Snyder, where it was really the, the first real show that you kind of felt like as a pregame you had to watch. Um, and then he would go on, he would do really every sport. I mean, to me, when I think of the things he was best known for, um, Villanova, Georgetown, in the 85 championship game rings a bell. He did a lot of college football, especially after jumping to ESPN. Um, and he was, he was always, he was, he always was a, he never, he was always a guy that was just very easy to listen to. It sounded like a guy who was announcing at a bar, at a bar. and as someone who to frequent a bar from time to time in my good old days. Um, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed listening to him immensely over the years, whether it was basketball, football. I mean, he did some golf. And CBS, I mean, he got let go of CBS, I think, because he was running everything, and he wanted to run more. You know, in ESPN, he's been predominantly college basketball and college football, and he really is. You know, he received – uh, I think the, the lifetime achievement award, achievement award for sports broadcasting last year, and it's someone who's well deserved. And as you said, yeah, it's ironic because he is a guy. Really, was a was a, was a was a journalist. He wasn't a broadcaster, and just kind of morphed into it. Yeah, to your point, Seth. The reason why he's broadcasting the game tonight is this is the site of the Nova Georgetown game, his most famous um, game in. In college basketball, that game took place at the Rupp Arena, 
which yes, going back, you have to think a Final Four taking place at a college stadium that could not hold more than 19,000 people. The last Final Four like that was at the Meadowlands, and now it, I think they have to hold at least 50 grand. But you're absolutely right. Brent Musburger, I remember Musburger more when he did stuff on radio, but then again, I grew up more on radio. So I think we both have our, our instances of Musburger-isms. NFL Today was primetime showing. And by what I mean by primetime showing is it was must-see TV. There was no Internet. Newspapers were always a day late and a dollar short. But if you wanted something on a Sunday morning, you, you read the Boston Globe for Will McDonough, and you listened to Brett Musburger on NFL Today. And those were your two must-see must TV, no question about it, for any football fan. And, you know, we wish him the best. Ironically, he's not, his retirement is kind of – he's not only retiring, he's just – he is going to be running a sports handicapping business and actually hosting a, a radio show with Al Bernstein, the famous boxing analyst on, show, um, on, on Sirius. So during my, during my, during my, uh, my 20 hour days that are going to be upcoming soon, um, it may it'll be some interesting listening going forward. And we really wish Brent the best yeah. of luck on it. Cause he's been fun to listen to for a long time. And before we get and into the Super Bowl and everything, hold on, hold I'm on sorry, please. hold on one second. And props to Brent Mossberger because he made this decision for ESPN. ESPN didn't make this decision for him. When you have, there are many broadcasters that also have radio shows. Many of them are on TV and radio. But ESPN really could not deal with, or any other network, could not deal with a handicapping show. You really can't mesh both being a reporter and being somebody that bets on games. And I think Musburger, look, all reports are that ESPN didn't force him out. And if that's the case, good on Musburger for making that decision because he didn't force ESPN's hand. Because if ESPN, if this was going and, ESPN, and Musburger was still on ESPN, ESPN would have a really hard time keeping Brett Musburger. They would have had to publicly fire him. And I think that good, good on him for making the choice very easy. So moving forward, there's a lot to talk about today. But I and I do want to I do want to start quickly, um, you know, with with one of Sean's beloved, his his Brooklyn Islanders, um, who may not be in Brooklyn much longer, and I mean my understanding and you know this better than I do that Mikhail Prokhorov who owns the Barclays Center was doing projections in the for the 2018-2019 I guess their their year and they did not include revenues from the Islanders. Now I can't see, now yeah. I don't know where this leads to. Do they leave the area? Are they gonna? They're not. Are they gonna go to a revolve back? To, they're not gonna go back to Nassau. So what are they? Well, like, is there gonna be a new stadium built? What are you looking at here? Okay. Okay. So the report was a Bloomberg report that that basically woke everybody up. But let's understand. Gary Bettman at the All Star Game was asked about this, not about this specifically, but asked about the problems at Barclays Center. And he said the Islanders' two owners are well aware – I'm paraphrasing – but the Islanders' two owners are well aware of the situation and are looking into a long-term solution in the area. They're committed to New York. So, to me, it's, it's not ironic. It's, it's actually very um, – I don't know, very apparent 
that those comments came on Sunday when this Bloomberg report came on Monday. Gary Bettman and the NHL knew that this report was coming out and made those comments specifically to pacify the New York fans, including myself, to say that they will still be here. Now, what does that mean? Well, first, the lease says that the Islanders can opt out after 2018, but Barclays can only toss them out after 2019. So we're looking at at least two years from here. Arthur Staple, who is one of the guys that is clued in from Newsday, one of the guys that's clued in on the Islanders, has made an interesting point yesterday and called it the nuclear option or something akin to that, the, the, the blockbuster option. Now, I don't know how feasible this is, but it sounded good to me. First of all, they would need to build another stadium right next to, right next to uh, City Field in all likelihood which is great because it's right on the seven line. And that would, again, bring both parking for those on Long Island and mass transit for those in, New York, in the city, a perfect compromise of what, is, what should have been from the beginning. Number two, he said, this will take probably three years because any stadium generally takes two to three years. In the meantime, they would play – now, drumroll, please – they would play – at Madison Square Garden. Square Garden. <laughs> and I'm not sure how feasible that is, but if you go back in history, and granted this is 1975, 1976, and a little bit later, some other teams in the area did play at the same arena, that being, or same stadium. The Mets and Yankees both played at the same stadium and both have twice as many games as a hockey team. They are three years out, potentially, right? Because 2000, they can't kick them out until after the 2019 season. So most concerts have not been scheduled for 2019 yet, at least 2019, 2020. So we're looking September of 2019. So you have to say that there's enough time for that. Now, well, you, you, may, you may want to elaborate a little bit about the concerts and where, this, and where that comment comes into play. I'm sorry. So we're looking at Madison Square Garden, right? So Madison Square Garden, for those that are not in the New York area, is the greatest arena in history. Or it's called what? What is it called? The, the there's a the world's greatest for, arena. The world's greatest arena. Now Madison Square Garden is home to a lot of events. They're home to the Knicks. They're home to the to the Rangers. They're home to multiple concerts throughout the entire year. There is they're home to the New York Liberty. When, the, when Madison Square Garden shut down for a summer, the New York Liberty had to, I believe, go to a college arena somewhere in the vicinity or up to Westchester where the, uh, where the, end, where the developmental league for the Knicks play. It was not a Right, where the Knicks, Knicks training facility is, I believe. Right. Definitely not a good situation for them, but they did it during the summer because there was the least amount of conflict. So they redid the entire garden basically in the summer. So now you have a brand-new spanking $1.05 billion arena called Madison Square Garden. Can the Knicks, can the Islanders, and can the Rangers coexist for two years? Most concerts are booked one to two years in advance for all these stadium tours. 
So if you are, if the Islanders make a deal with Madison Square Garden, say today or in the next month or two, and say we are definitely planning to get out in 2019, you can sense that two to three years out already, we have enough time. And Jake is agreeing with me, ladies and gentlemen. He wants to see this happen. So do he I. Does. So we're definitely on board. So, so that is the that is the colossal blockbuster plan. And I see and I hear myself singing all the time for the last two days. Home, home on the range, with a deer. <laughs> because seriously, we're basic. The Islanders have basically been vagabond. Now, as I said before, I don't think they're going anywhere. Quebec City is like chomping at the bit here. But I think with the statement that Bettman said at the All-Star game to preempt this report, I think for Islander fans, you're basically you're, – you're safe. You're safe here in New York. God, I hope it happens. Uh, we're safe here in New York. So that's the important stuff that's happening for the New York Islanders, other than the fact that they are teeing off tonight against the Washington Capitals. They're four minutes in in this 0-0 score right now. What else is going on this week? Oh, there's that thing, that thing in Houston. No, it's not a problem. Well, actually, there's also Maryland, Ohio State. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. Um, definitely not. Is that what you're and talking definitely about? Not okay. And definitely not happening in Houston. There, there no, are, that is not there happening no, in Houston. <laughs> there, uh, I'm not talking about the protests. No, that'll happen. I'm not talking about SCOTUS. No, that'll happen later tonight. No, I'm talking about the big game. So the Super Bowl is happening this week, in case you haven't heard. And and you may not have, me, considering what's been going on with everything else. Well, but I think that's the point. Is is it because the teams are the teams? And look, Atlanta is not one of those sexy teams. New England is, no. but I think more to the point that everybody hates New England rather than they like them. And is it because of world events that the Super Bowl is not getting the publicity? Or is it just because, look, these aren't two sexy teams. They're just not. Matt Ryan is like a choir boy, and Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Oh, no, I think it's because of the, of the world events. Um, I, okay. We've had Super Bowls, you know, Rams, Titans, Carolina, New England, you know, without the big – Excuse me. With with some more, you know, with not big draws. Tampa Bay, Oakland. Although there was a story with that. Indy, Chicago. There was a story with that. There's not a huge story. Admittedly, there's not a huge story other than the idea of Roger Goodell giving the eventually giving the trophy to to Robert Kraft and the MVP to Tom Brady. Um, there's not a great storyline. There's no real animosity between these teams, um, but. I'll be honest with you. When I look at my, I mean, I'm now starting to look at my Facebook less and less simply because it's just Trump all the time, which, you know, regardless of political affiliation, most of you who listen to the show have probably been able to figure out where I stand on this. That's not why I go on Facebook. Um, it's, it's, it has dominated every headline. It has dominated every, every news site, everything. And, you know, even when I go on ESPN, there's, a, there's not as much commentary on Trump, but there is a it, – it's, it's, it's fallen – it's below LeBron James right now. It's below, you know, it's below a couple things, which is surprising 
this just seems to be that kind of year for the NFL. Just one of those years where nothing has really gone right. Um, and it kind of overshadowing the fact that this should be a really fun game to watch. This is two very good offenses, two pretty underrated defenses. It should be a, it should be a really enjoyable game. I think, look, there is that story with Tom Brady and Roger Goodell and whether this is, uh, this is payback, this is retribution, what will happen after, and there's been the story of Pete Rozelle and Al Davis, which I found very Davis. funny. Yeah, and do you, do you know how uh, Pete Rozelle got around not shaking Al Davis's hand? I think he just spoke before, gave him the trophy, and walked walked off. No. So what happened was, so for those that don't know, this is the second time. Not, I'm sure it's not the second time, but this is definitely what people the second most acrimonious. The second time. Right, acrimonious. So Pete Rozelle and Al Davis were never friends. In fact, they were mostly enemies because Al Davis was the maverick. He was the guy that wanted to take his team to Las Vegas. Nope, sorry, that's his son. I meant take his team to L.A. <laughs> from Oakland. So when, and he sued, Al Davis sued the NFL multiple times. He was a thorn in Pete Rozelle's side. And I think it all stemmed from the fact that Al Davis wanted to be commissioner of the NFL when the AFL-NFL merger took place. So here you are with Al Davis, I believe it's 1972. You know the Super Bowl is much better than I do. Is it 71 or 72? No, you're talking about the, what are you talking about? The merger? The no, merger I'm took talking place about when at, Roselle, when, No, no, no. When Roselle won the Super Bowl, the first time the Raiders won the Super Bowl. First time the Raiders won the Super Bowl was 1970. Was I believe 76, um, when they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, so maybe maybe it was 75, so. something along those lines. Okay, whatever that year was. And I'm looking that up right now. 1977. So not 76, okay. 77. So, so Al Davis is as every other owner gets gets the Lombardi Trophy, right? That's the way it happens. The commissioner gives the Lombardi Trophy to the owner, and the and everybody was trying to pay attention to see how this would work. Much the same way as we're looking forward. Well, I'm not looking forward because I don't want Tom Brady to win, but the Bob Kraft uh, getting the Lombardi trophy. And the way that Pete Rozelle got away with not shaking Al Davis's hand was he gave him the trophy with both hands. <laughs> one hand on top, one hand on the bottom, and just gave him the trophy. So there was no hand to shake. So it was perfect. So... um so maybe we'll see that if he has to give the, the trophy to Tom Brady. I think this is going to be a very good game. I, I hope it's a very good game because, look, without the popularity and without the talk of the game throughout the week, I think it actually helps the game itself. The caliber of the you're game. Get, I think you're going to get a lot of buildup on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week because you didn't have it the last week and a half. And there's going to be some more excitement for the actual game than there is for the commercials and for everything else. And I'm really looking forward to the game. First of all, it's – look, it's the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's a day of football. <laughs> and, and number two, these are two very good teams. 
And probably it's very hard to say sometimes in the NFL that you have the best two teams playing in the NFL, in the NFL championship in the Super Bowl. I think you can say that this year. These are the best two teams in the, in the Super Bowl. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument for Dallas, but at the end of the day, you, these teams, New England dominant in their two victories, Atlanta, I think more shockingly dominant in their two victories. A team, you look around, there's talent. There's talent, you know, you, you have, I, I don't, I, I don't think you can really argue against it. I mean, unless you want to argue Dallas and I'm not really sure you can make that argument. They were certainly pretty mortal near towards the end of the season. Um, Atlanta is just looked better and better. And the AFC just still, for the umpteenth consecutive year, revolves around revolves around Boston or around Foxborough. I guess the question I have is if they win, I mean, it's a question that's going to be discussed a thousand times. Where do you put New England now? Are they, is this team over the last – because they haven't – they've won what, one championship over the last ten years. They've been to two other ones, obviously. Um, where do you put this team as a franchise? Are they – a better version of the Atlanta Braves over the last 10 years. Are they, are they a franchise that's worthy of being in discussion with, with uh, Pittsburgh and with New England and with San Francisco? And I think it's an, it's an interesting call. I don't think any of these New England teams are as good as those. Well, but Seth, I think here's, here's your comparison, at least to me. They're the New York Yankees. They're, the Yankees from the 90s and the early 2000s that won one late when Girardi came aboard. I think that's a perfect analogy for this team. And that's giving them a lot of credit because you know how much I hate both that, of these teams. That hurt, that, I know that how much that hurts you. It does. But, but I, think look, that's, I, do, I, I think that's reasonable. I, I have said this to you before. I do not think that Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. I've said that to you. He wins to he wins on Sunday. I change my opinion. I do. I change my opinion. I think he yeah. is not only in the discussion, but I think right now I don't think he's in the discussion. I really don't. I think Montana well, was better. Wait a minute. How does he go from not being in the discussion? To being the to being the greatest of all time, I don't I don't think you can okay, make that jump. Okay, I, I, okay. Let, you're right. You're right. D- not in the discussion is is a bad. I don't think he's number one or number two right now. I think he's number That's three. Fair. I think he I think he can jump to number one with a, with another win. I do. I th- and I think that is where I would place him if he went. And coming from a Jets fan and a guy that cannot stand the Patriots, that's a big leap for me, but I think it's a warranted leap. And who, so no, who are your top – who would be your top five? And you don't have to put it in particular order. But who would be, who Peyton, would be your top five? Peyton, okay. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Otto Graham. It's a different game, but it's still the same game. And the fifth one, you're just talking a quarterback. I think it's got to be Marino. 
Either Marino I would or probably, Fox. I would probably have Unitas. But, the, again, it's a, to me, I think if I had to have an order, and it's difficult, I'd probably be right. Montana 1, Brady 2, Brady 1, Montana 2. You know, Otto Graham, as you said, you kind of have to have there. If you go to 10 championship games in 10 years, I'm not sure how you don't have him in the top five. Um, Unitas was considered probably the greatest player of the first 50 years, so I think he belongs in there. Again, a different era. And then, you know, whatever, Manning or, Manning or L, probably Manning, and then probably Elway number six. Um, you know, and this is the argument I've always made with, with Brady, and people say, well, you know, it's the system. I look at the talent that Brady has had surrounding him versus the talent that Manning had surrounding him, and we've had this discussion many times. I don't even think it's yep. comparable. I, I what was disagree. that? Is that you choking? Oh, you don't. You don't. No, oh, you don't, don't disagree. Dis- yeah, I don't disagree. I think I think the talent around Brady has been substandard compared to that around Manning. You you will not or get even that, or, from me or, or, or even that or even around L around L A. Excuse me, Montana has the greatest wideout of all time in Jerry Rice. He okay. has all stars in John Taylor and uh, Dwight Clark. You know, Manning. Also, I mean, he had two great years of loss. And to me, also, I mean, you look the two. And look, I mean, he lost to the Giants, who were of course my team. But he, I mean, let's be honest, he lost for all his purposes. On two fluke plays, he lost on the helmet on the helmet catch, and he lost on the Manningham fifty yard bomb, which are one in a one. Yeah. Of, those are both one in a lifetime play. Well, at least the Tyree was one in a lifetime. Manningham is probably not that. Um, so I mean, he could very easily have been seven and zero. But Seth, we've had this discussion numerous times. Okay, I believe that the Patriots' defense is better than any defense that Manning threw out. So if you want to say that, that Brady's stats are not as good as Manning's because of the fact that he did not have the same caliber on offense, I am spot on with you. But if you want to go to wins in the championship or wins in general, football is a team game, and the defenses on the Patriots have forever been better than those on the Colts. And perhaps those even on the 49ers. I don't think I would have them over the 49. There were probably years that they were and years that they weren't. It's probably the best way in regards okay. to – but it's to San Francisco. They were, they were a better defense than, than Indy. Agreed. So, so. so that's a great segue into our next subject. And we'll, get, we'll pick the Super Bowl winner at the end of the show. But that's a great segue into what is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which also takes place the – Voting takes place this weekend, and one of the top players on that Pro Bowl ballot comes from those same New England Patriots, and that's Ty Law. And let's go through the rules of of the Hall of Fame. So the NFL Hall of Fame is unlike any other Hall of Fame. There is a minimum amount of people that must be entered in every year, and that's four, with a maximum of eight and 80%, uh, I think it's 80%, 75% of the voters 75%. have to select each of these. Then there are senior candidates, and there are contributor candidates. And the contributor and senior candidates have to get 80%. So let's take, let's take the senior candidates and uh, 
and contributors first. And so the so the senior candidate is Kenny Easley. And Kenny Easley, for those that are younger than Seth and myself, and I think it's about we're about the cutoff. Kenny Easley was a dominant safety for the Seattle Seahawks, who only played, I believe, nine seasons because he had kidney illness and had to retire early. But he was the best safety in the NFL for that time, for, for at least five of those time periods. I believe he was an all-pro at least twice. I believe so, too. I think he's a tight call. I think it's – I honestly don't know. Um, he, was, he was one of the top three or four players in his position for his entirety. And only only lost, only retired, as you said, due to illness. You know, not not dissimilar to a Terrell Davis in that regard. I lean towards having him in, and I wonder if, in part, because I look at this list, and you know what we've talked about, my feeling on the Hall of Fame versus. You know that I believe in the Hall of Great versus the Hall of Very Good, and this to me, when I look at this list, is a list of very good. And okay. I realize well, he's not competing. I realize he's not competing with the other finalists. I get that. Well, let's. But I think let's, let's, in a year where I'm, the, the top isn't as top, I think he. I think he sneak. I think he gets in. Well, let's turn back the clock a little bit and look up what he's done. So he was a player. 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 87. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, only seven years. He was a pro bowler. Now I understand that the pro bowl today is definitely different than the pro bowl then, right? Can we make that, can we make that assertion? The pro bowl back in yeah. the eighties meant some, which I don't believe it means very much today. He made the pro bowl five out of his eight years and was a first-team All-Pro three out of those eight as a strong safety. To me, that's dominance. That's dominance. Well, that's there, there's no better way to say it. Five Pro Bowls and three first-team All-Pros in eight years, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I think he gets in with that. I don't even think it's close. I think he might get in unanimously. But, again, I don't. it doesn't I, really matter. Like someone, someone who played for seven years – I'm not sure you can ever be unanimous as a seven-year, as no, someone who only you, played for seven years as good as he was. Okay. Well, I was talking about unanimous amongst these voters. And, again, he's not going against anybody else. So it's a yes or a no for him. So I guess we'll see. Okay. So <laughs> here we go. What's that? Yes or no. All right. We'll, get, we'll see. Yeah, oh, that's not the way I meant it. Okay, Jerry Jones, yes or no? Probably yes. Uh, his impact on the NFL, like it or not, has been overwhelming. And I, I, I think he gets in. I would agree with you. I think he gets in as well. Okay, Paul Tagliabue, an interesting scenario – because of a couple of reasons. First of all, concussions, yeah, they, they didn't exist, supposedly, under Paul Tagliabue. They, they just didn't matter. And he tried to sweep that under the rug. Labor piece? Well, I don't know if we had labor. It, that labor strike a couple of years ago, 
And I think it's more than that. I think it's like five years ago now. Was a direct recurrence of Paul Tagliabue and the fact that he pushed a lot of things under the rug. I don't think he gets. I don't think he deserves to get in, but I think he does anyway. I don't think he gets in. I think he will be an eventuality, but I don't think there's any real push for him to get in. Uh, apparently, Jake doesn't either. Um, you know, I, I think. I, yeah, Jake is really has seeming to have a problem with Paul Tagliabue, but I don't. I don't see any real. I think. I think he's an eventuality, just like you see. Most of the commissioners become eventually get in, i.e. Bud Selig. Um, but I, I don't see. I don't think this year. I think. I think. It, I think he will get in. He will get in at some point, though. Okay. So now we get on to the to the crux, which is fifteen guys. Remember, you have to put in four, and you could put in up to eight. And I think the first guy that we talked about is LaDainian Tomlinson, and I really don't think there's an argument against him. Not in my mind. Um, okay. Fifth all-time leading rusher, MVP. Uh, you know, as I say, he was one of the three or four best running backs for, for 80% of his career. So I think he gets in. I think he gets in relatively easily. I would agree with you. Okay, so now – we're going to get into the guy that I think you and I dispute the most, and I think that's Terrell Davis. Because I don't believe Terrell Davis deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I have a feeling you do. And, this, and we can talk more about this next week if he doesn't get in, because I think it's a perfect show to do it. But here's why. We just talked about Kenny Easley playing eight years, had five Pro Bowls and three All-Pro years, included in those five Pro Bowls. And you said, that's the reason why Terrell Davis should get in, or that's a good argument why you should get in. Well, Terrell Davis played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. So one less year, and he only played more than 14 games in four of those years. So he only really played four full seasons. In those four full seasons, yes. He was an all first team all pro three of the four years. In the fourth year he was a rookie, he ran for only a thousand yards. And granted, that's a lot back then in fourteen games. But he's four years. I don't think I don't think he belongs I don't think he belongs in the hall. Oh, okay. I I I believe maybe it was uh, Mabate that I had this conversation with. No, I mean seven years is great. And his first four are certainly Hall of Fame-esque, including, of course, yes. the 2,000-yard season in 99 or 98, excuse yes. me. But of those three, the final three years, he averaged 400 yards a season. So literally, yes. you're, ta- you're talking the only comparable where I can see someone getting in like that would be kind of the Koufax six-year, five- to six-year run in, you know, from 60 to 65, five-year run from 60 to 65 or 61 to 66, where he was unfathomably good. And as good as Terrell yes. Davis was, he was not, he was not Sandy Koufax. Magnitude. No. Um, Let's are you asking me or that, agreeing with me? No, I'm agreeing with you. Let's understand that Terrell Davis only led the league in rushing once. That's it. Well, to, to so be, right, to be rushed, fair, he ran for 1,700 
but he ran for 1,700 yards in 97. So that right. would be, in most but, years, that would be. On. Agreed. But my point was, and I'm concurring with you, is it's not Kofaxian. Kofaxian was no. utter and complete dominance over the entire league in every statistical measure. And Terrell Davis just didn't do it. And I understand that a running back is less years on your life, your NFL life, than probably any other position. I get it. This is just too short, a, too short a, a prime, too short a career, not even a prime. His prime was his career. If you want to say that this is close to anybody, it's probably Gale Sayers. But Gale Sayers had over 60 touchdowns and how many – and over 60 touchdowns when I believe eight years and revolutionized the game, both as a kick returner and as a runner. Terrell Davis had 60 touchdowns and had three seasons of black. I mean, real black. So I say no. I say the no. Okay. Yeah, I, so we I still agree with you. Are, we're still standing on one. Number two, Brian Dawkins. <sighs> I now, think him and John Lynch. Start, right. Okay. You're going to compare him to John Lynch. And, that, and Kenny, Kenny Easley isn't part of the discussion, but I think all three are going to come up in the same discussion. So you're, in my opinion, you're taking one of these two. So I was going to group them, Brian Dawkins or John Lynch. And I think you kind of have – I think Lynch gets in. I think I would go with Dawkins. Dawkins – in my mind, was the best safety in football for several years. Was the heart and soul of those uh, Philly teams in the late in the mid two thousands. I think I in my mind, I think he was a better player than John Lynch. Do I? Does it? Is it a huge difference? No. Would I be surprised if both of them got in? Considering, as I said, the relatively mediocre caliber of this uh, of this class. No. And I'm, I'm going to look up his stats quickly. Um, but which one do you want to look up? You're looking I'm looking up Dawkins. Up Dawkins. Or I'm looking up Dawkins. Okay. I got it right here. So Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Pro Bowls. Was a first-team All-Pro four times. And he was on the NFL All-Decade team. Um, playing with, with Philly and Denver. Now, I do wonder because Lynch has been out there for a while that he that kind of he gets in first simply because he's been there longer. What are well, Lynch's numbers? Well, that was going to be my question. I think that it's going to be a pecking order. And Lynch was an All Pro twice, first team All Pro twice, Pro Bowl one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So basically, one less All Pro, one less Pro Bowl. But I, I think I think Lynch gets in this year. I think Dawkins waits one more year. I think this is very similar to the wide receivers where you are going to find a pecking order that goes through, and I think eventually both do get in. And let's speak of those wide receivers. On the ballot this year, Terrell Owens, Isaac Bruce. Now, I, I said this a very long time ago that I thought Terrell Owens – was an underappreciated, underappreciated wide receiver because he was such a pain in the ass. 
And I still say that, and I still say Terrell Owens gets in this year, and he should have gotten in last year. I agree. He is the best. He, you look at his stats, forgetting the pain in the ass, but second all-time in yards, third all-time in touchdowns. I mean, for what he did with the, with the Niners, what he did with the Eagles, I think this is in a year where there is no real wide receiver competition. Isaac Bruce is just a nice player, but just not at that level. Um, I think he gets in. I think he gets in pre- pretty easily. Well, you can make the case that Isaac Bruce wasn't even the best play- best wide receiver on his team for most of that time. So I can I wholeheartedly make that argument. He's not the best wide receiver on his team. Okay, so let's let's group the other guys there together. So, so we got two in the offensive line: Kevin Mawai, Alan Fanica, Tony Baselli, and Joe Jacoby. Those are the four offensive linemen. Now, remember, we have to get at least two more in, and potentially we can get up to eight. Right now, you have. I think you have – did you say Dawkins and Lynch or just Dawkins? Or just Lynch, I'm sorry. Actually, actually I'm going to say Dawkins and Lynch. So you got two going – three going in right now, and I have two. I think of these offensive linemen, I think Baselli makes it in, and I think this is the year Joe Jacoby makes it in. So I'm going two in this year with Fanica and Mawai, both Jets, and not making it in. I agree with you on Jacoby. Uh, the problem I have with Baselli is this. I mean, again, apparently Jake has the same problem. You know, you look at the stats, five-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro. He only played six – he only played seven years. Um, and, again, due to injury, was had to, was forced to retire. Um, but – I, I don't think I, – especially also considering how many offensive linemen in that – Jesus. Jake is really having – Jake apparently has a huge opinion on this deal. But when you look at all, when you look at all these linemen, that are, the left tackles that have come in, Ogden, Walter Jones, Orlando Pace, I – Baselli, I guess, is a logical next in line. But he was not – he was, it just wasn't – similar to Terrell Davis, it just wasn't long enough for me. And maybe that's a little hypocritical okay. considering I'm putting in Kenny Easley. Um, so I think well, – I'm, and I don't, I don't have Mawai as a Hall of Famer. So okay. In fa- so Fanuc is kind of the 50-50 call on my part. Yep. And I don't – I just don't see it. I think, we're, I think the only one okay. that's going to get in is Jacoby. Well, I got two coming out of this. So I got my four already. You have your four already. So we have the minimum already. Now we go on to other other positions. And Ty Law, to me, is a Hall of Famer. And I think he gets in this year. I think any time you have to change the rules because of a player and the dominant player that Ty Law was, I think he gets in. I don't. I think he gets in at a later point. Um I mean, I actually find it hard to believe he's been retired long enough to be a candidate. I find that kind of – I find myself feeling very old thinking about that. But Law, to me, was the best – was one was certainly a borderline 
certainly one of the best corners in the business during his time in New England. Um, I think I think it was about he had about fifty some odd interceptions. He had an amazing game I remember against Peyton Manning in one of the AFC title games. I think he's an eventuality. I don't think it's all, especially because I also have two other secondary people getting in this year, three with easily. I don't think this is the year he comes, he gets in. Okay. So I have five and you have four and we're down to our last couple. So Jason Taylor. Kind of curious. To yeah. I don't know. I, and if, if I'm saying I don't know, then I'm probably going to say no for this year. Um, he was, I mean, he hits my criteria. He was at his position, one of the three or four best players in the league for a long period of time. Um, but I just, I don't, as I said, I'm just really not overwhelmed by this class at all. Um, very okay. good. So I get great, but I don't see it. Okay, so Jason Taylor, six Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros, the AP Defensive Player of the Year for one year. Not saying that that should matter, but saying that that definitely comes into play. Yep, he is seventh all-time in sacks, which I think will come into play at a later time, ahead of such guys as Richard Dent and John Randall and Lawrence Taylor. Now, granted, Lawrence Taylor... Well, that, that was a different world, and John Randall was a nose tackle. So, I mean, okay, the, so, so that, that's a harder. So, okay, so ahead of DeMarcus Ware, Richard Dent, Jared Allen, Derek Thomas. Okay, those guys all in the same criteria as far as I'm concerned. So all Hall of Famers are all soon-to-be Hall of Famers. I think Ware is in the Hall of Fame to me. But those are guys that he is ahead of. I agree with you. I don't think it's this year. So we can move on. But I think he does get in at some point. Morton Anderson. Does a kicker get in the Hall of Fame? There is only one kicker, Jan Stenerud, that is in the Hall of Fame as just a kicker. Ray Guy is in as being a punter. John, George Blanda being a kicker and a quarterback. And that's it. Because Morton Anderson no, there's, played there's, for there's also oh. one. There's also one more, uh, Lou Groza, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame as well, as a kicker yeah, and Groza as a. Also, I think he was also. Groza played a couple sorry, of positions, I believe. Right, but he was preeminently a kicker. Again, he played other positions, but preeminently a kicker. Okay, I think so. I think right. it's time. Just as I have, just as Edgar Martinez at some point is going to make the Hall. Just as Paul Molitor made his primarily at DH. Just as, you know, the relievers occasionally get one in, I think it's time. Wow. I think he gets in. Okay. I look at it, you know, seven Pro Bowls, six first-team All-Pros, all-decade team 80s, all-decade team 90s, most points in the career, most field goals in the career, most games played actually in a career. I mean, it's, it's some, you got to get someone in before Vinatieri. To me, he was—he's the best kicker. He is the best kicker of his era, by a pretty. Okay, so you're—he's the best kicker of his era. All right, we got—we got 12 minutes left. I'm going to say no to Morton Anderson, so we're both up to five right now. Kurt Warner, yes or no? 
I say no. No. Close, but no. Right. Don Coriel, I say yes. I I do too. Although it's a shame it took him until right after he died for this to happen. Agreed. So we both came up with six. So my six are Terrell Owens, John Lynch, Ty Law, Joe Jacoby, Tony Baselli. Wait, I have seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven. And you have LT, Morton Anderson, Don Coriel, Joe Jacoby, John Lynch. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. You have six, which would be a, a very, very long day in Canton for each one of us <laughs> because we're both voting two of the other guys in. So I'm looking at a class of nine, and you're looking at a class of eight. That is a very long day. But I won't I would, be there. Although I will say I, I, would like to, I would like to see Terrell Owens' uh, speech. I think it would be pretty yeah. interesting. As would I. Okay, so we got five minutes left. We got a lot more to talk no, we got, about next week. Yeah? No, we got like 10 oh, minutes left. Oh, we got left. 10 minutes left. Can we talk? 10 minutes left. Excuse me. So I just wanted to preview next week. Next week we're going to have a Hall of Fame yay or nay with the Bate Isles. We're going to have a round, uh, basically a round-robin discussion. Uh, each one of us will moderate one sport, and we'll pick two or three cases. It may go for 60. We may go for 90. We'll see what we're going to wind up with, but stay tuned for that. Seth, I think also we should probably that? have we should probably post on the website or on the on, on our Facebook for people if people want if people want to throw in names that they want to discuss they want us to discuss absolutely we may want we absolutely. may want to do that as well sure we'll so, do that so Super Bowl prediction who do you got and why I've decided our it's a terrible reason but I've just decided to pick against New England is just utterly pointless. It just is. I don't think they're better than Atlanta. I don't. I think Atlanta is playing better. I think their defense is playing surprisingly well, but they're young. I think Brady picks them apart. I think we have a hell of a game. 30-27 New England. Okay. So, I think I've picked against New England every year. And... I've lost every year, except for when they played the Giants. So this year I'm going to pick with New England and hope that they lose. Because, Lord, I need them to lose. And just like every other Jets fan, we root for two things. And Jets fans nation are all nodding their head. We root for the Jets, and then we root for whoever plays the New England Patriots. And it used to be the Miami Dolphins, so it's. Used to be, I was going to say it used to be the Dolphins, but absolutely it was the Dolphins so, with Marino. But I will pick New England, and I'm going to pick them surprisingly a a larger a larger margin of victory. I think that they will win thirty to seventeen. I think once they get if they get the lead, I know Atlanta's got a lot of firepower, but most of their firepower is predicated on their running game. And if they get behind, say, two scores, they're going to have to abandon that running game in the third and fourth quarter. And I think that's the end of it. And I think that a late touchdown tacks it on. 
as I said before, that's my score, and I don't like it at all. <laughs> but that's my score. So, but kudos to Arthur Blank, who took the entire organization to the Super Bowl. Every, every person that works for the Atlanta Falcons is in Houston this week for the Super Bowl. Kudos to my friend Arthur Blank, or my brethren. Arthur Your friend? Blank. Your friend? My brethren. If you... <laughs> I win. I can only win. So, something I wanted to, I want to jump around a little bit. We got ten minutes, and there's a couple of things to hit on. I want to hit on the discussion that's been going on with LeBron and Charles Bar- Barkley. Barkley has been pretty relatively critical of LeBron, of kind of this generation of players. And LeBron just shot back, really saying, "You know what? It's, you know, you're an entertainer." You know, you you didn't you know you talk about the competitiveness competitiveness, but when you were playing against Jordan, you didn't show that particularly. You didn't get yourself in shape. You know, what are your thoughts on this, and what are your thoughts on LeBron kind of speaking out more and more, um, whether it's as a social activist or in this regard as you know as a basketball player standing up for his team, and standing up in a lot of ways for his generation. Look, we've talked about this many times before that Charles Barkley has said repeatedly, I am not a role model, and I think he's full of crap. Because he certainly wants to be listened to. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have people listening to you, especially America's youth, and then hide behind the fact that I am not a role model. LeBron James has done the exact opposite. He has said, I am a role model, and you should listen to me. And these are my views, and take them for what they may, but these are my views. And I need to be a – nobody's perfect, but I need to be an upstanding citizen. I can't go to Las Vegas on the weekend of the All-Star game and then show up and just show up. I have to make it a point to be loved or to be beloved. I have to make amends for, for problems that I made. And quite frankly, I think him going back Cleveland shows maturity on his point. Because he put aside petty differences with Dan Gilbert and went home. I love what LeBron James is doing. I think he has every right to do it. And I think Charles Barkley should shut his big trap if he's not going to take both sides of the coin, which he has repeatedly said, I'm not going to do. Totally in favor of everything LeBron is doing. Shocking, but totally in favor of it. Yeah, no, I have no argument. I have more of an argument with his with his what he's saying in regards to they need this, they need that, when the reality is they're kind of hamstrung by the cap. And he knows that. Um but I agree with you. I have no issue with what he is saying. I have no issue with him standing up and talking about these kind of things, standing up to Phil Jackson, standing up to because he, he's doing it in a way which it, which I find perfectly defensible. And perfectly reasonable. So good for him. Absolutely. So we're halfway through. We got about five minutes to go. Um, quick comments. We talked. I talked a lot about it. We talked last week with Nabate. We talked a lot of NBA uh, midseason thoughts. Talked. I want to talk briefly on that and a little bit on the on the NH on the NHL at the midseason. I know your Islanders not so good. Not exactly what you want to be talking about in general. But just thoughts, you're, you know, you're more of a hockey guy than I am. You know, I look, you know, I see Columbus, you know, 
unbelievable, you know, unbelievable streaks. You, know, you see Washington, who still looks like they're the best team in the league, but they still have to prove it. You know, what are your thoughts midway through the hockey season? Well, right now the Islanders are losing to Washington one nothing at the end of the first. So I'm a little disappointed in the Islanders this year. Very surprised with that Washington is, and Washington and Columbus are continuing what they've been doing. Pittsburgh is the sleeper to me, no question about it. And I love San Jose. I really do. I think I know Marlowe and, and Thornton are old, but I think they are come they will provide bark in the playoffs. And if you haven't tuned in to watch Connor McDavid in Edmonton, he just reminds me of when Wayne Gretzky came into the game. And I'm not saying he's as good as Gretzky, but he provides that enthusiasm that Gretzky did. And if you want to watch a player that just loves to play the game, and hockey players are known for that to begin with, step up and watch Connor McDavid. Find him on SportsCenter. He's a sight to behold. And he'll be in, look, barring injury, he's going to be the best player in the next 20 years. Who is your MVP right now? Connor McDavid, because without him, Edmonton's not even in the playoffs, let alone leading the Western Conference. Are you, who are you, who are you, halfway through, who are your Hall, who are your, uh, your Stanley Cup picks? Stanley Cup picks. I'll pick. I um, pick Washington against San Jose and San Jose winning the cup, which if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I definitely would not have said that. that that's kind of like, that would, that almost strikes me as like the Buffalo Bills versus the Minnesota Vikings, where you have these two teams, I mean, different, different years, but these two teams that for years and years have been the bridesmaids. It would actually be a lot of fun to see them to see them in a in a, in a, in a final where someone. It is actually it's like the World Series. It's the Indians and the Cubs, just in a more modern yep, day version absolutely. of it. NBA. Yep. Um, so, okay, go. We'll talk NBA next week. Yes. Yeah, so so, no, no, no. We got we got thirty seconds. So I wanted to say thanks to everybody that tuned in this week. Next week again, we have Nabate Owls and myself and Seth in a little bit of a roundtable, so get in your suggestions on Facebook. We'll certainly post those uh, in the upcoming days as to what we're going to be discussing here on the show, and maybe Jake will chime in with one or two. You know, in a couple of years, Jake is actually going to listen to the show and go, Daddy, why did you do that to me? But (laughs) until that time, we'll just deal with what we got. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great Super Bowl. Download us on iTunes and check us out on Facebook and on Blog Talk Radio. Have a good week.